Well, like I said, thanks very much for joining us this morning. If you're watching online, it's great to have you tuning in live this morning. Uh, there's many of you here this morning in person also. Great to have you. Um, if it is your very first Sunday, we have been talking about this idea of, of real love. And um, last night, I spent two hours watching a romantic comedy with my wife. And as I watched that, I discovered in watching that movie what real love is. It's sitting for two hours and watching a romantic comedy. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that because my wife is going to point out afterwards that I chose the movie last night and that I was chuckling at some points. But it was still tough. It was a romantic comedy. Come on, that's... But we've been trying to ask this question, what is real love? And like I said, if you just joined us this morning to catch you up, we, we started out a few weeks ago in fact, on Valentine's Day by talking about the greatest example of love, and that's God's love for us. Following that, Andy talked about um, our response to God's love, how we can love him in return, and what that looks like uh, for those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, what it looks like to follow God and to, to love him back. But we felt like we couldn't just stop at that, that, that vertical love that Jesus talked a lot about um, the actions that come out of that in, an, in a horizontal sense, how we are then to love others. So last week we talked about a very simple concept of what it looks like to love God and love others. And, and as we close out this morning, I want to kind of get practical. I want to finish out this series by, by really kind of looking at what does it mean, what does it look like to love others? Because it's one thing to understand that, but even in Jesus' time, there were still people, religious leaders, that couldn't quite wrap their heads around what that looked like. They, they had the knowledge, but they still struggled with the practicality. And one incident that we're going to talk about this morning, this is a guy, he's a religious leader, he's very wise. He knows the law, he knows um, God's commands, and yet still he's asking Jesus to clarify some things when it comes to love. We learn about him in Luke chapter 10. Starts out like this, his interaction with Jesus, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus kind of turns it around on him and says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? What do you think the answer is? So he answered, as we learned last week, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. The guy obviously listened in to our message last week and Jesus said, you got it. That's, that's correct. You've answered correctly. The whole law can be summed up in those two commands. Do this and you will live. But he wants to justify himself, so he asks Jesus, but, but who is my neighbor? You're saying, love my neighbor as myself, but, but who do you mean? Who's my neighbor? Who is it I've got to love? And that's the question, isn't it? That's the question that if we failed to answer that question, we'd miss a big part of this real love series. Who is our neighbor? So this week, using this, this story that Jesus is going to continue to tell here as a backdrop, we're going to discover not only who our neighbor is, we're going to answer that question, who is my neighbor? That's the first question we're going to try and answer this morning, who is my neighbor? But we're also going to answer the question, what does it look like to love my neighbor? Who is my neighbor and what does it look like 
for me to love that neighbor. And Jesus tells us, he carries on, same story, verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, he poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Very familiar story, I'm sure, to many of us here this morning. Verse 36, Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. So Jesus said, well, go and do likewise. Go and do the same. Now, if you've got kids here this morning and connect kids, you can go home today and over lunch you can say, hey, we learned today about the Good Samaritan because a few weeks ago in Connect Kids, they learned about the Good Samaritan. Is that right, Whitney? Is that, yeah, yeah. My daughter told me the whole story uh, just this week when I told her what I was speaking on. So you can compare and see who's doing the better job of teaching on this. It's it's probably Connect Kids. If you can download their message, you're probably uh, uh, starting in the right place. But Jesus explains to this leader who his neighbor is and how to love them. So, so let's start out this morning and try and bring this to modern day. Let's look at our lives now and let's, let's look at these same two questions and ask them now of ourselves. First off, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Well, in the context of the story that Jesus is telling, the, the neighbor who needed love, who needed mercy, who needed compassion, was the man who had been attacked and beaten and robbed and left for dead in the middle of the road. And you're probably thinking this morning, well, I don't know many people in that situation. I don't know many people who've been robbed and beaten and left for dead. But the reality is, you may not know someone physically in that situation, but I bet all of us know people who are facing situations like that in their lives, who feel like they've been beaten and broken, who maybe feel alone, who maybe feel like they need rescue and help. That may even be you here this morning. On the outside, everything's great, but on the inside, you, you relate to the person in that story, crying out for help, just, just hoping and praying that somebody will see the need you're in and meet your needs. So I don't think we have to look too far. I think all around us, in the world in which we live, in our own communities, maybe even in our own families, there are people dealing with, with whatever life has sent their way. They weren't attacked by robbers, but just situations in life, circumstances outside of their control, things that have left them in the place of of hopelessness and despair. And we have the opportunity, especially those of us this morning who are followers of Jesus, we should be compelled to say, now how can I help those in need? How can I be like the person in the story who showed mercy and help my neighbor in distress? So Jesus identifies the person, he identifies who the neighbor is, and then he goes on and and he helps answer the question, what does it look like to love my neighbor? What does it look like to love my neighbor? 
Because really the whole point of this story that Jesus was telling was, I think people understood the concept of love and they understood the concept that God loved them and they even understood the concept that they should love others. But the, the whole meaning behind this story is that it doesn't end there, that love demands action. That love demands action. Even this religious leader could have been very proud that day of of how he understood what it meant to love others. But Jesus said, hey, it's more than just knowing about love. It's doing something about it. So in the story, Jesus actually gives two very clear examples of what that doesn't look like. Two very clear examples of what it doesn't look like to love your neighbor. Now, I don't think it was random that he chose a priest and a Levite These were both religious leaders, people who knew the law very well, who knew what it meant to love others, and yet we discover that not one, but both of them saw him and passed by on the other side. Man, what a legacy to be known as the person who saw the need, saw the person in need, and passed by on the other side. This means they were aware of an opportunity to help, and they chose to ignore it. Now, I want to give these guys some credit. I want to believe that they weren't mean, evil people. I think in some way they rationalized their decision. I think they probably came up with a really good reason as to why they did what they did. Now, I know none of you are like this, okay? But I'm, I, I, I can get very impatient while driving with other drivers. Honestly, if, if there weren't other drivers on the world, in the road, everything would be fine. But it's the other drivers. They just really mess things up. And I'll be driving and someone will cut in front of me because they need to turn right or because the, the lanes are narrow. And I'm like, seriously, come on. You've known for ages. You know, why, why didn't you turn back there? Why didn't you, you know, and I'm kind of, I'm having a whole conversation with the car in front of me because I know they can hear me. But every now and again, I need to be the guy cutting in. <laughs> Because I didn't realize that it was going from two lanes to one. I didn't realize that I had to turn right quite so quickly. So I have to kind of cut in quickly in front of somebody. But when I do it, it's okay. Because <laughs> I didn't realize. If I actually have a conversation with the car, I'm like, sorry, I, d- I didn't realize. I'm-, I'm alone in my car. I don't know if you do this. I'm speaking out loud. I'm saying, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. <laughs> Thinking that by me saying this out loud, somehow they'll be like, totally fine. <laughs> we understand. Happens to the best of us. In fact, I'm sure they're fine with it because they're waving with one hand. So I know they're fine with it. <laughs> Isn't that true, though, that we can get frustrated with other people? But, but when we, we, we can very quickly and easily rationalize the wrong things that we do. Maybe they came up with some really good reasons why they should ignore this guy. Maybe they were in a hurry. It was just, it, or maybe they looked and thought, it's too late. This guy's beyond help. I think he might be dead. There's no point in me even checking. Maybe they used their, their religion. I'm, I'm a very important religious person. I've got things to do for God. He would understand. This is a priority of a stopping to get busy with something like this. Or maybe it was a practical reason. Maybe they think it would be foolish for me to help. I could, I could be putting my life into danger. How would that help this person? This stretch of road that Jesus was talking about was very famous to everyone who heard the story. You see, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, it passed through a wilderness which was notorious for robberies and murders. There was actually a portion of this road that was called the Red or Bloody Way. And there was a Roman fort put there so that a garrison of soldiers could keep an eye because it was such a treacherous part of the road. 
So maybe these religious leaders said, it would be crazy for me to help because I may get hurt. I think they came up with some really good reasons. But the truth is we can have every good intention in the world when it comes to loving someone. But when we're in the shoes of these religious leaders, what, what would we do? How would we respond in that moment when we're presented with a tangible opportunity to show the love of God to others, to love our neighbors, we love ourselves? Do we step into that opportunity or do we come up with reasons and excuses, even if they're good excuses, why we shouldn't do it? We're gonna put a picture up on the screen here of a young lady. Her name is Chelsea Timmons. Chelsea Timmons here is the the lady in the forefront of the picture. And uh, it was actually on Valentine's Day she, uh, she lives in Houston, but she'd driven three hours to Austin because she was uh, a weekend. She tried to make some extra money, and she could make more money in Austin than she could in, in Houston delivering groceries. So she was out driving, delivering, picking up groceries, delivering them to homes. And it was the weekend. It was the time when those terrible storms were coming in in Texas. She thought she had time to make one more delivery to the house of the folks in the background. Their names are Nina and Greg. Sorry, Nina and Doug. Going down their driveway, the ice had already started to come in. It was treacherous, and and she lost control of her car, and she was worried she was actually going to go straight into the house, but she kind of slid, and the car went into the flower bed and got stuck. The homeowners came out. They tried to push her, tried to move the car, but there was no way it was moving. They tried calling tow trucks, AAA. There were so many accidents around, and any that did respond saw the driveway and how steep and icy it was and said, listen, we, we cannot help you. So this couple said to Chelsea, well, why don't you just stay with us? Stay the night. Hang out here. Tomorrow when the weather's better, we'll, we'll get your car out. We'll get you on the road. She wasn't real thrilled with the idea, but she found out that her apartment complex back home in Houston had no water and no power. These guys still had water and power, so she agreed. She took them up on the very kind offer, stayed the night. The next day, the weather got worse. So the couple suggested she stay longer. This is from the article. It says, what's another day, Doug and Nina said. If one of our daughters were in a situation like Chelsea's, I'd like to think that somebody would do the same. Timmons said she wept tears of gratitude in her room several times, touched that they had taken a chance and opened their home to her. I couldn't get over it. They never saw me as a burden, not even for a second, she said. Five days later... <laughs> Five days later, the weather finally got good enough that they could get her car out of the flower bed and back on her way. For five days, she lived with these strangers. They cooked meals for her. She cooked meals for them. They had dogs. She played with the dogs. She had a dog back home. It was just this great story of these people becoming friends. When she talks about it on her Facebook post, she writes this, how amazingly blessed am I right in this moment? Blessed that out of all the places for my car to get stuck, it was their flower bed and not a ditch. Blessed that they were willing to let the delivery driver into their home in the midst of a pandemic. Blessed that during the time of a food shortage, they were willing to share their meals. I can't believe everything that has happened, but I am beyond grateful that I've been able to find comfort with strangers during this unprecedented winter storm. You know, this is a unique story, but what a great example What a great example of what it looks like, a couple who chose not to make excuses, but to to make the decision to love their neighbor. And I think this is the kind of love your neighbor experience that Jesus is talking about. And just as a a little side note here, nothing to do with what I'm speaking on this morning, but when I read that story, 
it, it sparked something in me. So, so here at Connect, on a regular basis, we, we, we challenge you, we ask you to be generous in different ways. Over Christmas, we, we did a big uh, Give 2020 where we raised some finances to help uh, kids in inner city Peoria through Friendship House and Crittenden Center. We've helped to build some churches in South America that reach children in poverty. And we make a lot of asks of you, and I'll never apologize for that, and here's why. I don't know if you caught it, but at the beginning of the story, it said that she drove three hours on weekends to another city to deliver groceries to make some extra money. And I don't think many of us are in that situation where we have to go to such extreme lengths to make that kind of money. We're very blessed living here in Washington, these surrounding areas. So I think God has, has put connect, has put us in this place as a church to say, hey, because we're blessed, we're gonna look for ways that we can help those who maybe aren't as blessed as us. Because we don't know what it's like to have to drive three hours to deliver groceries. But, side note. The Samaritan, we discover, responded differently. The priest and the Levite, they walked on by, but the Samaritan, he could have come up with all of the same excuses, but for some reason, he responded differently. I love the way Martin Luther King Jr. spoke about this very story one day when he was teaching and here's how he explained it. He said, the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the definition of compassion. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's that idea that, that love compels us to think more of others than we do ourselves. And if you're familiar with this story, you'll know that this wasn't just a random story that Jesus told. There was something deeper to this story. Because the guy who he's talking to is, is Jewish. He's a, a religious leader. He's, he's very um, knowledgeable in the law. And in the story Jesus tells, there's a couple of, of villains, the priest and the Levite, and there's a hero, and the hero's a Samaritan. Let me explain the significance of that as Jesus was talking you know, this wasn't a random choice. The Samaritans were despised by Jews for both ethnic and religious reasons. And there was a mutual hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews. This wasn't just one way. This was 600 years of rivalry. In fact, the contempt between them was so great. Listen to how the Jewish expert responded when Jesus asked, who was the hero in the story? Who was it who loved the neighbor? Verse 37, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. He can't even say it. He can't even say the word Samaritan. He has to say the one who had mercy on him. Now, don't get me wrong. I think if Jesus was telling this same story to a group of Samaritans, do you know who the hero would have been? The Jew. Because I don't think this was a, a direct attack on the people of Israel. This was just challenging the listeners to say, hey, it's not just love your neighbor. Your neighbor may be somebody that actually is on the other side of you in their thinking. So there's this other kind of challenge that this religious leader, and it's, it's, it's getting to him so much that he can't even say it out loud. He's like, I know the right answer, but I still can't say Samaritan. Because <laughs> I just can't wrap my head around the idea that the Samaritan is the good guy. Let alone the fact, Jesus, that you're saying I should love him. 
But that's what Jesus did. He, he, he messed with people when it came to the idea of love. Matthew 5, this is another time that Jesus was talking about love. He says this, verse 43, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, which actually wasn't in the law at all, but it was so common around the, the people at that time that he had to kind of contradict it and say, no, I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you, this is so good. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? That's easy, isn't it? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. But if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. And then Jesus says, it's easy. You're just going to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You're like, come on. (laughs) See, the thing is, we can never do this. We don't have the capacity to love in this way. But like we talked about in week one, if we understand the love God has for us, that love fills us and helps us love others. If we understand the love God has for those that we have a hard time loving, it affects the way we love them. Because we're like, wow, I struggle with them, but... God loves them. How, how could I possibly feel these kind of feelings to somebody that God loves just as much as he loves me? 2,000 years later, as we finish off a series talking about real love, that's the difficult question we have to ask ourselves today, isn't it? And listen, I'll be honest with you. We, we, we chose this series because this year, Sunday was on Valentine's Day. And we're like, we've got to talk about love. <laughs> So we started out by talking about love on Valentine's Day and we've gone for four weeks. But the reality is, and this was the series that I chose last year when I was preparing for 2021. But there really, has there ever been a more important time to talk about the importance of loving those who look differently than us, who think differently than us? The disunity that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans, I think it exists just as much with people today amongst people who vote differently who have different opinions on how to respond to COVID, what the correct answer is with regards to social, economic, and racial unrest. And if you're not sure, spend some time on social media because that'll really help you understand where the love lines are being drawn. So I think now more than ever before, the world needs to see something different. They need to see that followers of Jesus are setting the way here, are setting an example of what it looks like to love others. In preparing, I came across this uh, article by a Christian author and journalist. His name's Philip Yancey. And he said this, and it's so good. He says, Jesus was the ultimate bridge builder, reaching out to people unlike himself and each other. His 12 disciples included a revolutionary zealot and a tax collector who worked for the oppressive Romans. On the same day, he healed an unclean social outcast and resurrected the daughter of a synagogue ruler. These are people who were very diverse, opposed to one another. His parables featured improbable heroes, a diseased beggar, a rebellious son, a despised Samaritan. Jesus gave his own prescription on how to treat adversaries. Love your, neighbor, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then he modeled it himself by praying empathetically for his own murderers while on the cross. Forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. He forgave Peter, his closest friend, who betrayed him three times. Then he says this, In a nation as divided as the U.S. in 2021, Jesus' words have the ring of absurdity. 
It's so much easier to bunker down amongst people who look and think just like me rather than to take the difficult steps towards empathy and reconciliation. But then Jesus never promised it would be easy. And I think for us this morning as followers of Jesus, this really is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Because honestly, I loved preaching on Valentine's Day because I was telling everyone how much God loves them. You just can't go wrong. No one's gonna leave church that morning again. Yeah, I didn't like what you said this morning. That whole God loves me, he thinks I'm amazing, I can do no wrong, I, I, yeah, I wasn't happy about that. He loves you, that's, that's a great message. He loved you before you even started loving him. That was the, the whole idea, accept God's love. Week one was just the idea that we need to accept God's love. And then the following week, we talked about the idea that once we've accepted God's love, who wouldn't want to love him back? If someone gave you an incredible gift, Everything in you would want to just be grateful and thankful and love that. And I think as we understand this incredible gift that God gave us, we took communion this morning to remind ourselves of the great gift. Who wouldn't want to love God back? So that was another easy week. And then last week, we talked about, you know what? It's actually quite simple. Jesus kind of boiled it down to two phrases. That's loving God and loving others. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, well even that. I'm okay with that. I can leave here saying, I love God and I love others. Just at a distance. But this is it, isn't it? This week is, is where the rubber meets the road. Because this week we finally ask God to show us who is our neighbor and how do I respond? How do I respond to those around me who are in need? Those around me who are crying out for help. How do I respond to people around me who, who look different, think different? How do I show the love of God? It's, it's difficult. But I think it's possible with two things. Number one, God's help. But number two, a desire within us to want to show God's love. Maybe that should be our prayer this week. God, thank you for your love. Now please give me opportunities to show that love to others. Stretch me in that, Lord. Help me respond like the Samaritan in the story and not like the Levite or the priest. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to sacrifice Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that it's very easy with, for us in our minds to, to grasp this concept of loving God and loving others. That's very, um, it's a very simple concept to understand. I think even this Jewish leader in the story understood the concept and was okay with the concept. It was when Jesus told the story and uh, really kind of pointed out that this guy needed to do more than just understand. He needed to be the person who's willing to step across the street. The person who, when they see a need in front of them, doesn't think, well, how will this affect me? But will think, if I don't respond, how will this affect them? Help us to be those people of love, Lord, that don't just understand it, but live it. Respond to it. Show and mirror your love for people. We ask for your help in this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.